0: Thanks, Mark. That was fabulous. One of the things that you said in passing about the, one of the uh, Sikh movements was it faded away. And you didn't talk... You talked structurally about the conditions under which those particular movements, particularly the Sikh movements, had arisen, but all, really, the Palestinians and the, the moves towards religionising those activities. And we can see also with Umm or there's a, a fading away as well. But what's not fading away, as you quite rightly went through, was the whole process of giving rise to the grievances around those particular religious movements. So I'm taking your images of healing and hope seriously and asking you to extend one step beyond the lecture and say, rather than just hoping that they will fade away, what are the practical processes of, say, reconciliation, if that's one of the dimensions Mm -hmm. that one can partake? By far the most successful case I can think of in recent years of where terrorism has come to an end has been the case of Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland was really a pretty vicious situation. And it wasn't, I'm not just talking about the bombs in in London and Belfast, although there were a lot of those, but also just savage acts of terrorism. I went to Belfast and I talked with a number of people there who told stories that just would curdle your veins. I haven't read in the papers about People, the black taxis. People would be picked up by taxis, and if they said they wanted to go to Shankill Road rather than Falls uh, Road, that, that meant they were Protestants rather than Catholics, and they were taken out uh, someplace, and then they would be tortured, their skin stripped, and they'd still be alive, and then hung to, to die in the most hideous kind of fashion. Uh, and, and this was this was characteristic of, of the struggle and, and until these negotiations began, and it began, began when moderate people from both sides uh, looked for some way out of the impasse. And they brought an outsider in uh, to help negotiate. And that outsider was an American senator named George Mitchell. Uh, and, and through his mediation and through the efforts of the people who were determined to build a peaceful settlement, and resist the extremists on both sides. There was, you know, the so-called re, real uh, IRA, which is recently as just a couple of days ago, was still perpetrating acts of violence to try to keep the fight alive on one side. And then on the unionist side, people like Ian Paisley, who renounced the uh, peace agreement, regarded it as something of a farce, wouldn't have anything to do with it. So they, they ignored the extremists, and they tried to build some sort of structure of, uh, of uh, a framework for, uh, for peace with the realization, and this was part of Mitchell's brilliance, with the realization they didn't trust each other. So they would ha- there would have to be institutions set up that would guarantee representation from both sides on everything. There are a whole series of different kinds of steps and accommodations. And then in the background, the Irish government on one side, the British government on the other side, to try to give an outside uh, protection and, and support to this peace agreement, which, of course, is the Good Friday Agreement, which has worked. I was back in Belfast a couple months ago, and I was amazed at the a, a degree to which, and there's still resentments, but it, it really is, people function as if the place was normal. The old wall is still there, but there's a, the gates, there are no gates in the wall. You can just easily walk from one side to the other. I walk from Falls Road to Shankill Road without any problem whatsoever. Um, people are living a normal life. Even Ian Paisley now has gotten on board and supported the peace agreement. Now that he sees it's popular and he wants desperately to still be a leader, so, he, you know, definition of leader is you find out which way the crowd is going, you run ahead and, so you can be in front of it. So now he's running ahead so he can be in front of it. So that, to my mind, uh, if it could work in Northern Ireland, it, it, it could work elsewhere. And nothing thrilled me more than the appointment that one of Obama's first appointments to deal with Palestine and Israel was George Mitchell. And sending him there, I think, was a brilliant stroke. Uh, and he does know something about the region. He's uh, from a partly Lebanese background. He was uh, sent there earlier in the Clinton administration to do uh, an examination of of uh, some of the issues he's I think is a good choice. One here and then one in the back. There is one, uh, excuse me, there is one new wrinkle I think that we we can't afford to overlook Mm -hmm. and that is for example in Israel the current um, turn to the right, to the far right where you have a potential uh, foreign minister who says the best thing to do with the Arabs is get rid of them, and his counterpart in Hamas, who says the best thing to do with the Jews is get rid of them. The problem there, and in Pakistan, for example, is that there are nuclear weapons in those mm-hmm. places. How do you expect nuclear weapons, uh, the, the volatile mix of nuclear weapons and this jihadi uh, perspective on... Politics to blend or to uh, find a kind of solution. Well, the nuclear issue, of course, is a very frightening one, uh, and the fact that you have these weapons—that they're there and it's possible for a rogue regime uh, to have at their disposal—but it can also be something, uh, as it was with the United States and the Soviet, as a, a kind of de- deterrence. And in the recent, after the recent Mumbai attacks. Uh, one of the things I was trying to figure out when I was recently in, uh, in the region was what was going on with uh, Luxury Taiba and the connection with Mumbai. And why was it the advantage, assuming the Luxury Taiba is really uh, supported by rogue elements of the Pakistan military, why would they want to attack Mumbai? What would be the point of it? And I think what they were trying to do was to embarrass the Pakistani government. Oh, it's all aimed not at India, really, but at Pakistan. And they were trying to goad India and Pakistan into a war with each other. Why? Because they're looking for a reason for a coup, for a military coup. That's the way in which governments have toppled throughout Pakistan's brief history. And there are certainly elements within the Pakistani military who want to take over and get rid of Zadari and uh, run directly. But neither Zadari nor and Singh on the Indian side bit the bait, and I, one of the issues was the nuclear one. One is another is this backdoor discussions. There's been a terrific uh, article in the New Yorker uh, recently about some of the backdoor discussions within uh, the uh, foreign service in both Mil- uh, Pakistan and India over the Kashmir in- uh, incident, and I think they served the two countries well in this most recent incident, and and I think part of it. it for both sides was the fact of the nuclear weapons and that kind of deterrence, and the need to try to come to some kind of accommodation so they wouldn't be paralyzed with fear about the power of the ability of either of the sides to destroy each other. So I think that's a relatively good example of how an attempt to try to goad India and Pakistan into war uh, failed, and how, at least for right now, uh, those uh, extremists, uh, if that's who they are, uh, would uh, were not successful in taking power. Now, if the military instigates a coup in Pakistan, who knows what kind of coup it will be? I mean, uh, Musharraf, after all, was brought into power by a military dictatorship, and he was, uh, from the American point of view, uh, you know, a pretty happy <laughs> partner in, in the imagined war on terrorism at the time. It could be somebody like Musharraf, but it could also be somebody who's much more akin as many elements within the Pakistan military and also the ISI, the intelligence unit, are uh, towards the Taliban in Afghanistan. But even that is not necessarily bad because there are a lot of different Talibans. It depends on which ones and who they have connections with. So it's a complicated story.